0: Whether in the media, our government, or our schools, Christianity faces tremendous intellectual persecution. This program stands on the intellectual front lines. With disarming honesty, we engage the most difficult issues facing Christians today. I want to welcome you to Theology Unplugged, the radio outreach of Credo House Ministries in Edmond, Oklahoma. We sit down over lattes at the Credo House coffee shop and just talk theology. I'm Michael Patton, president of Credo House Ministries. I'll be leading the discussion along with Tim Kimberly, director of ministries for Frontline Church Edmund, Sam Storms, lead pastor of Bridgeway Church, and finally J.J. Side, pastor of community and
1: discipleship at Bridgeway Church. All right, fellas, it's good to be back together. And we're talking about this week. uh, This is the last week that we're going to focus on what is wrong with our church. (laughs) And not in an overly negative way, but in a way that we love the Bride of Christ. We love the church. Uh, The four of us have devoted our lives to to following Jesus and to leading other people deeper into love of the church and love of the Bride of the church being our Savior. Uh, But we are saying, like, hey, let's kind of call time out. Let's step way back. And, and not look at a tree level, but let's look at a forest level of what are things in the church that seem to be core things that, Lord willing, the Spirit of God can move in God's people in America in 2015 and change what seem to be wrong directions that churches at a, at a very high level are moving towards. And what so, is the
0: biggest problem in the church today? Yes, and, and it's so Tim's answer. It's,
1: it's my turn and uh, and I'm zooming out pretty far and I it might sound overly simplistic, uh, but it truly, truly is what I feel is the problem. And, we'll let you and explain I yourself. Like, I feel like what it is is a loss of the centrality of Jesus, okay? A loss of the idea, and there are movements uh, that are imperfectly, but movements that are nonetheless uh, getting a lot of steam of moving people and churches and whole movements towards this, but an idea of if, if we aren't careful, it's very, very easy to forget our first love, and it's very easy for church to be about something other than Jesus.
2: Give it, some examples, and to be concrete, specific. Yes,
1: so I think that, that at very high levels, churches lose their focus. And if I was Satan, I would do this. If I was Satan, I'd try and get churches at very high levels of leadership to, to just be off just by one degree, knowing that if they're off by one degree, at a certain point of time, they'll be off by miles down the road. And so one is that churches become too works-oriented. And by that, what I mean is is churches start really focusing on doing things now that we love Jesus, okay? So, hey, we all love Jesus. Now let, let me help everybody get out of debt. Now what happens down the road is that then churches become too works-oriented. So for instance, you can have a church, and this happens all across America, churches that get really into, hey, let's get all of our people out of debt, Okay. Debt is dumb, and so we're going to get all of our people out of debt. So we're going to have all of these classes. We're going to have, we'll have all of this work focusing on getting people out of debt. Okay, so people come, they get out of debt, and they're like, man, this church is so awesome. I just got out of debt, and my, our marriage is better, and all these things because we just got out of debt. And the truth is they die and they go to hell because they got out of debt. A church helped them get out of debt, but they never met Jesus. Okay, another example, so that's at a high level. Uh, Other things on that could be churches that just focus on doing a lot of good in the city, do a lot of social good. Uh, apart from though the motivating heart behind why they're doing good so so for instance you can have churches that and these are, are typically old mainline denominational churches that that just become overly characterized I think by social justice so we're gonna exist to end racism in our city uh, we're gonna exist for all these causes and here once again these are not that's not a bad cause getting out of debt is not a bad thing uh, having a church uh, focus on racial issues is not a bad thing at all Our Frontline is very involved in that. Uh, but I would say, what's the reason you're doing that? If your reason is just, well, people ought to do that, as opposed to the reason being, uh, Jesus has created all of us, he's created all of us equally, uh, he's saved all of us, I- in Jesus's eyes, um, he didn't look down upon us Gentiles, but actually died for us Gentiles on the cross, so then how can I look at, for all that Jesus has done for me, how can I look at my brother any differently? Uh, and so, so church is becoming, so one high, church has become too works-oriented. Then I would say, now this can sound <coughs> strange, church is becoming too doctrine-oriented, Okay, And so what this is, is churches that all day long they'll tell you how awesome their doctrine is. And I'm not going to name denominations, but I've had pastors from these denominations even come up to me feeling all dried out saying, Man, if you poll our elders, almost all of them would pass any exam on theology, any exam on doctrine. But if you sit them down, they don't love Jesus. They love the Bible. They love doctrine. They love truth. And once again, doctrine truth, doctrine all, or doctrine and truth, theology. All four of us at this table love those things, but when those things become more important than just sitting with the person Jesus and letting the person Jesus be the number one focus of our church, then churches get totally off. Uh, then I'd say the third one then is is too unity oriented and and this isn't a perfect list, I just had to come up with my unholy trinity of churches <laughs> to match JJ's from last week. But too unity oriented would be, oh, Jesus prayed for unity, and so let's have unity, and so let's just make sure that our church is about unity. And of course, a Unitarian church comes to mind, but I think way before you even get as extreme as a Unitarian church, um, there are many denominations that uh, are so focused on unity uh, and, and making sure that we can lock arms together, but that they've lost Jesus in the process. Um, and so I'll let you guys kind of push back on this a little bit, but what I would just say is a lack of Jesus being, being what it's all about. And one, one way that this comes out is, uh, and this will, this will be a kind of a, uh, maybe an illustration that, that will show a little bit of this, is uh, let's say a Muslim there's a church in, in Oklahoma City, I know, that a lady wanted, uh, in all of her Muslim gear, you know, all of her dress and stuff, wanted to walk into this Christian church. And they said, no, we don't want you in this church. You'll be way too disruptive. And that was their number one response. And And what struck me, though, is is they didn't even ask her what she thought about Jesus. They didn't even give her the opportunity to show, so the church showed to this lady that they were more interested in some sort of a weird appearance of, of Islam, for some reason, that they, they didn't care more about her relationship with Jesus than anything else. Uh, second example that's maybe a little bit more concrete is homosexuality. So if you go up to, let's say, two homosexual uh, guys who are in a relationship, uh, go up to a church and say, hey, we're gay, what are you gonna do with us? Now, this might be telling. How many churches do you think will say, hey, we don't really care about that right now. What do you guys think about Jesus? Because the difference being that someone's sexuality is very temporary, but their relationship to Jesus is very eternal. And when I see churches spending all of this time making it abundantly clear to homosexuals that they aren't welcomed at this church or that, that they're gonna have all of these hurdles once they do come to this church and if they wanna become a member or anything like that. But with a gospel centrality focus, I think when a homosexual couple come and say, what are you gonna do with me? Our first response would say, well, what do you guys think about Jesus? Because if they say, well, we care less about Jesus, we, we, we think Jesus is, is a fool, um, and we're just here to disrupt your church, I would say, hey guys, look, I don't, really, I don't really care to speak into your sexuality right now. What I wanna do is tell, tell you about Jesus because I care way, way, way more about you guys knowing Jesus than I do about your sexuality. Now, if you meet Jesus and you come to love Jesus and you wanna follow Jesus for the rest of your life, Jesus has something to say about your sexuality, just as he has something to say about my sexuality. But I, we're gonna talk about Jesus way before we talk about your sexuality. And I think in, when I look at the American church, People get all bent out of shape about that. But I'm like, I don't think we should, I think that that's telling that we in many ways want to get people, and this gets into legalism, uh, but that we care many more about, about making sure that our city, or especially making sure that our churches look a certain way, then just saying, like, hey, this is probably going to look really, really messy, but I think it looked really, really messy in the first century. But, like, what we really care about is just anybody from any stripe meeting Jesus, and we're going to build our church around that. And Then, once they meet Jesus, we're going to build around our church around discipling them. Just for all of us, the ground is le- level once we meet Jesus, that all of us have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. But that's after you become a follower of Jesus, not before.
0: Well, one of the things that comes to mind immediately for me is whenever you give testimonies or you hear people's testimonies about what happened to them whenever they came to know Christ or what happened to them after they became a Christian, what changed in their lives. And normally the biggest change, the biggest deliverance is going to dictate kind of what type of church they attend or what type of ministry they begin. Maybe God delivered them from alcoholism or drug Mm -hmm. abuse or from a bad marriage or got them out of debt. And a, and, and so many times that's, that becomes the central focus because this controlled me so much. Yeah. Now I'm going to go shout to the town and shout to the world about what Jesus did for me and in particular, how he got me out of this drug addiction that I could not get out of. And then after a after time, we begin to have our entire ministry is focused around this. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's debt or marriage or some type of social good or race, racial issues and how we deal with it. And slowly uh, but surely, that becomes the defining point of the gospel for us and then maybe later on for our church. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying here, Tim, is that while these are great things... These are things that we should want. We we don't want to be in debt. We want to have good marriages. But whenever they become the defining point to where that is what we are shouting, that's what we are uh, basing people's spirituality on, then that good thing gets replaced with a greater thing that... That started it all.
1: Yeah, and and this might be overly simplistic, but kind of the idea of what you win them with is what you win them to. Yeah. So like, if the reason someone's now, it's overly simplistic because here I totally absolutely agree that that people can come to Jesus through tens of thousands of different ways. So someone could say, Hey, I heard that they were had a class on getting out of debt. I went there. I got out of debt. I hung around the church. Six months later, I heard about Jesus. I came to Jesus, and I'm and I'm following Him. And I would say that's, I mean, I, I have nothing against that at all. And what you're talking about is that that's a bridge, and I totally agree that that's a bridge to get to Jesus. I think many times though, uh, many churches in America build one side of the bridge, uh, then they assume that the bridge is gonna get connected to Jesus, and and many churches in America, and I'm not talking about just one brand of Christianity, like an evangelical church, I'm talking about Roman Catholicism, Lutheran, uh, Presbyterian, Methodist, uh, you just keep going down the list of, of every single person who in church that says yes we're christian uh eastern orthodoxy um i would say that that many of those churches where i believe i think that they could move into uh potentially better territory would be uh not assuming that these things are going to take people to jesus but but instead being very very uh, clear about it and intentional about those things because i think you can begin that financial stuff to say the reason why you got ter- terribly out of debt or into debt. The reason you got terribly into debt is because you were loving things more than you were loving Jesus, and you were looking at things to fulfill you instead of Jesus fulfilling you. So, we're going to help you get out of debt, but to realize you're going to go right back into debt if your heart is not changed by your God to love Jesus and to love the things uh, that are not of this world, but to love the things uh, that are. are are spiritual things and or let's say a marriage you know many people come to marriage and counseling and say my marriage is totally out of control in a terrible place and it's because you're the center of your universe and if Jesus becomes the center of your universe uh, you start actually uh, seeing things correctly which is that the world does not rotate around you. And if you start seeing that the world does not rotate around you, your wife is going to be like, wow, I kind of like being around this guy now that he thinks that that the world doesn't revolve around him. And that's because Jesus has changed your perspective instead of some people just telling you, hey, you need to change and not be the center of your universe, but you don't have the power to actually carry it out. Tim, I got a couple
3: questions for you. I like what you're saying. I think I can think of at least three different lenses through which to hear what you're saying. So I want you to help me narrow down what you have in mind. The first one I think of is this idea of confusing the gospel with the entailments of the gospel, Mm -hmm. this idea that, uh, you know, uh, we are saved by faith alone, but not the faith that is alone. Right. You know, to summarize the book of James, real faith works. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, You show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by how my faith actually works itself out in my life. Um, so there's that idea, people being afraid that the only way you're going to get the church to care about racial issues and social justice is to call those things, the gospel, Mm -hmm. that's apparently the only way to get Christians to care about stuff. Yes. Um, but then you lose the gospel because the gospel is something God does all by himself without any help from us. That's what makes it good news because you can't mess it up, you know? So, so we lose the gospel in order to try to get the entailments of the gospel. When in fact, what you need to do is go deeper into the gospel and the Mm -hmm. entailments of the gospel will flow out of it. So I'm hearing that lens maybe. But then I also could hear what you're saying through the lens of sort of a loss of first love idea, you know, this knowledge of Jesus versus actual experiential intimacy with Jesus in a personal relationship. And then the third lens I maybe hear this through is sort of a, you know, forgetting that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, sort of these culture wars where we're trying to create really outwardly moral and socially acceptable people far from God, but Mm -hmm. their status before God is still unchanged. Now they just have more reasons to have self-reliant pride from a moral or religious perspective, we haven't actually addressed the root issue of their condition. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there one of those three that you're thinking of most specifically when you talk about this idea of losing Jesus at the
1: center? I think so. I think maybe the second one. You know, I think of um, I was meeting with a pastor of a church, and when they hired the pastor, they didn't know that he was Calvinistic in his in his salvation theology. Okay, uh, and and all of the other elders weren't, um, and obviously. And then what ended up happening, he told me, was that you know, he was preaching. They, they didn't mind his sermons. They loved his sermons enough to hire him as a pastor and all these things. But then what, what happened was that there started being just this war that started forming between this pastor and the rest of the elders. And every single time they got together, um, he said it was dominating their elder conversations. And they just couldn't, they just kept bringing up, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're a Calvinist. I can't believe you're a Calvinist. I can't believe you're a Calvinist over and over again. And, and he was like, I just we met together and he was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should quit the church. I don't know if I, you know, if I should fire myself. Uh, I don't know if I should try and fire the rest of my elders. Like, what should I do? You know, how, how should I move forward? And, and I was like, how long have you guys been talking about this? And he was like, man, for months, every time we get together, this is all they talk about. And, and my pushback to this guy was I said, why aren't you guys talking about Jesus? Like you're having this fight so you're people that leading a church that is the bride of Christ and all of your fights are about exactly how Jesus saved somebody. And and what I would say is like now I, those things are important like hey I'm very all in you know we've read Calvin's Institutes together I am very interested in having that conversation but If a church tells me that all that they're talking about is issues of what it means exactly for someone to come to Jesus, that's an important issue. But I'd say, do you guys not have anything else in common to talk about? And is not the living Jesus the head of your church? Um, Now you might agree over time, to say, hey, we need to we need to go different directions. Uh, we're leading two different churches, but not to the part where you fight for six months, and that's all you talk about, and not realize that that the centrality of Jesus. Now, what I would say, the reason I think that that second one is probably the beginning is that if Jesus is the center of your church and you're allowing the living Jesus to continue to have, to, to be what the church is about and to be the center of your church, now that is going to inform, now what do you do? Like, what's the mission of your church? What are the things that, that you need to advance into your city? Uh, how do you disciple your people? Uh, how do you how do you shepherd your people to follow Jesus, to follow the chief shepherd of your church and to allow Jesus to be the senior pastor of your church? Um, and, and so I think that that middle one will inform the other to you so let me let me just launch into this let me
2: kind of yeah reiterate. bring it to me brother well no I, i'm sitting here listening and I, I haven't heard anything i disagree with but what i keep asking myself is uh why is this a problem in other words we we, we can talk about the symptoms we can say it's symptomatic and in here is, we can see it in various churches But the question is why would a professing Christian church Put anything above, in terms of priorities, um, the the centrality of the gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. What is it in the mentality of pastors and church people that would lead them to, um, in a sense, dethrone Christ from uh, uh, being utterly and absolutely supreme in every area of life and ministry? And um, I'm thinking back to um, an earlier program we did when JJ was articulating his uh, beliefs about the real problems in the local church, uh, you know, this materialism, consumerism, individualism, if I remember them correctly. And I- I'm wondering if a lot of church leaders have bought into the mindset of the secular society, which basically says our first and uh, priority needs to be growth, mm-hmm. viability, Um, Money, um, um, stature in the society, um, facilities, uh, all of these things that seem to drive so much of so called preaching today. And although they would probably never admit it, and certainly not on a broadcast like this, Mm -hmm. much less even in private conversation, uh, basically what they're saying is. I need to keep up with the church down the street. I need mm-hmm. to excel and exceed um, what others have accomplished. Our our public profile is diminished. And the fact of the matter is, if they pursue a ministry that is, as you mentioned a moment ago, Tim, um, gospel-centered, that is, it really, everything flows out of the realities of what God has done for us in Jesus. Uh, if they deviate from that, um, They fear that they're going to lose numbers. They're going; the offering is going to go down. Mm -hmm. They are not going to be able to achieve, um, uh, from a kind of a worldly perspective, the stature and the influence that they so desperately want. So I'm wondering if beneath the surface of the loss of Christocentric, we can use that big word, Mm -hmm. Mm Christ-centered ministry and life is a very worldly ambition, a very prideful orientation to doing things so that we'll increase the numbers who attend, we'll increase the size of our giving, we'll therefore increase the the the, uh, uh, the, the size of our facilities. Um, have we basically just simply uh, yielded to worldliness?
1: Yeah, it, dude, I, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, and think of it this way, think if every pastor in, in America uh, was in church on Sunday, getting ready to preach, and imagine if Jesus was actually in the front row. And Jesus, sitting in the front row, looks out and says, uh, Hey, Sam, you're doing a great job. Man, I love how you're leading my bride here. Keep it up. Doing a great job. And Sam, what if you pastored a church of 30 people, and you were just barely making it, you're just barely paying your bills, and you heard that? Would you be like, man, I gotta go to a conference and figure out how the big boys are doing it? You know, or would you be like, man, thank you. Uh, I've got kind of a Jeremiah-type ministry <laughs> where you know, I'm preaching faithfully and not very many people are following, but that's exactly where God wants me to be, and that's exactly how Jesus wants this bride of his to function in this local thing. And, and that's what I think. I think that that—and there are other—so that's, that's building. That's, a, that's kind of tangible things. Other, other churches and denominations are more characterized by letting doctrine go by saying, you know, we're kind of ashamed of this whole, like, hell thing and this whole Trinity thing and this whole the Bible is every word. And the exclusivity of Christ. Yeah. The the fact
2: that he says, if you're not for me, then you're against me. That's offensive. That does not... Uh, lend itself to what we would consider to be church growth. Yeah,
1: yeah. But if Jesus showed up at their church and when they were preaching, he said, no, really, every single word, I meant it. <laughs> and, and I've kind of like whole, like made sure this Bible thing like makes it all the way through. And you know what? I kind of want you to preach the whole thing. And, and it's all about me. And you know what? Quite, quite frankly, uh, a lot of people heard it and they ended up murdering me because they didn't like what I was saying. And so don't really expect that every, everybody's going to love what you're saying. You know, like how would that change now? Jesus is a now Jesus gets to call the shots in that church, and that church is starting to to think like, man, those verses on Jesus being the only way are really inconvenient. Um, But if Jesus is really there as the center of the church, calling the shots, is that church going to change? And I would say it has to change.
2: So who wants to wrap this up in a really juicy?
1: Yeah, substantive,
2: meaningful. Way? Michael,
1: if you just want to spend like a couple of minutes just telling me how right I was and how everything that I'm saying is just spot on, now's your chance.
0: Well, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm putting it down on my notes and it's something that I think you'd alluded to. but when we talk about different problems that we've all had, um, a lot of these do get cleared up with expositional preaching. And I hate to be simplistic here. Dude, you're here.
1: spinning like my whole thing and like making it your thing. <laughs> well, now you're coming back to the functional no, authority good. of yeah. Scripture. <laughs> we we go. Go. I was <laughs> right all along. I mean, I mean, just think of this. If, yeah. if we're, How do if we, we fix If we're
0: trying to it? get we these Christ. little small yeah. things, yeah. just yeah. preaching one and having our church known for one little area, making sure that we're we're not um, becoming exclusivistic or too inclusivistic, making sure we're not known as a social justice church or a church that just is about racial issues or come here and get out of debt, yeah. expositional preaching. Preach Christ. The Pre- full yeah.
2: count, Like Paul said to the Ephesians, I did not shrink from declaring to you the full counsel
1: of God. That's but, right. but if someone comes up to you and says, what's your church about? I would rather say my church is about Jesus than my church is about expositional preaching. But we are
2: committed to expositional preaching yeah. precisely because we want the centrality of Christ to be made known
1: in every arena exactly. of life. Yeah, but that's why I would say I'm about Jesus. My church is about Jesus, not expositional preaching. You yeah. get the last word, Michael. No, you got the last word. You just, word, you, <laughs>
2: just uh, you just spoke the last word. The last word is Jesus.
4: We hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast. If it's blessed you, they'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to join the group again next week for another edition of Theology Unplugged. Theology Unplugged is a listener-supported ministry of the Credo House. They're a theological hub and coffee shop, and their address is 109 Northwest 142nd Street in Edmond, Oklahoma, 73013. They're open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m please consider this your official invitation. You're invited to come and visit the Credo House and discuss today's program or take a tour of the theologically rich surroundings. You might also enjoy one of their signature drinks like a Luther latte or a Nicene mocha. In fact, if it's your first time in the Credo House and you mentioned that you heard their program on Bot Radio Network, you can have the drink of your choice for free. For more information or to support this ministry, visit credohouse.org.